Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm your host, Nick Smith, uh, and we are presented to you, as always, by Geek Vibes Nation. And joining me tonight is Luke Alves. What up, Luke? Not much, man. You know, excited. Finally, finals are about to start, you know. Finally, it's here. I can't believe a whole year's passed. Um, crazy to think that uh, I thought my team had high hopes, and uh, here we are, just, uh, you know, finally down the road, and a lot of disappointment, but excited that, uh, you know, the finals are finally here upon us. Yeah, indeed. But I, I got to ask you, um, given that your team did not make it, how happy are you that the team that dispatched the Sixers and dispatched the team that beat your team made it out of the East? <laughs> I mean, I had them going, winning the East anyways before my team had dispatched, yeah, but it is did, great right? to see. Yeah. Yeah, we both did. But it is great to see them that they actually uh, prevailed. Um, crazy how they got here. Uh, I think it could have gone any way with uh, the Sixers series. Um, yeah. Ball just bounced God, four times a in uh, Toronto's, in Toronto's way. If you really think about it, I mean, that's a crazy way to lose. And then for Milwaukee just to be taken care of by Toronto, Sixer fans got to be like, man. We only were right there. If the bounce just went our way, we could have <laughs> yeah. could have been a different story for us. But hey, that, that's basketball for you in playoffs. Yep. Hey, yeah, you're right about that. But yeah, as for the Sixers, like fucking roll it back, motherfuckers. Like nobody be afraid to pay. Like yeah, like here's the thing, dude. You you're gonna you're gonna hate that Jimmy Butler contract in year like three, four, five if you have to do the fifth year. Um, Tobias is going to lose any amount of trade value the moment he signs wherever he signs. Um, but, like, you don't have any other options at this point. You were you were that close. You've seen, like, from the, the, the conference finals how close you were. Um, every All the other top teams have the potential to, like, take a step back um, in the East. Uh, so, yeah, man, like, if you're the Sixers, you got to roll it back. You can't let you can't let it either one of those guys walk. I mean, you just you just can't afford it. Um, you made your bed, now you got to lie in it. Um, it. That's just the way it is. So we'll see what they do. Um, but uh, I, I, I'll be really surprised if they don't, um, you know, bring both of those guys back if both of those guys want to come back. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see how it plays out. I think the bigger question is what they do with Reddick. Um, do they bring him back? Do they try to find a cheaper option? Um, you know who would be great as a cheaper option would be Landry Shamit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> we know where he is now. Um, but anyway, 
<clears throat> let's jump into it. Uh, you know, I could go all day about what the Sixers need to do this offseason. But, uh, you know, we'll go from, you know, maybe a partially dysfunctional um, front office to a utterly, entirely dysfunctional front office uh, in the L.A. Lakers. Um, seems to be even more of a shit show than we thought. Um, if you've read Baxter Holmes' uh, article on ESPN.com, uh, holy shit. Like, the amount of, like, people that he interviewed and, and like, the detail that he goes into in this article, if, if anybody, uh, any of our listeners have not read it, I encourage you, like, go read that fucking article because it is fucking gnarly. Um, and he also did – he did a podcast um, with uh, Zach Lowe, uh, 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 the Low Post podcast. So uh, go check that out as well. Very interesting listen um, to kind of hear him – uh, you know, Zach Lowe, you know, kind of delve into that article and ask him questions about it. Um, but uh, my big takeaways from this, Luke, uh, one, Rob Palenka, like, we all knew that, like, he had to go, but, like, God, I didn't know it was to this fucking extreme. Like, the, like the biggest thing that got me, I mean, there's obviously the, the uh, whole Heath Ledger thing, which is just, I think that's almost that's more of a microcosm of the situation. Um, the macro in this situation is having two different fucking war rooms when you're on draft night and having like almost all of your fucking scouting staff be surprised when you take Mo Wagner at number twenty five and they apparently wanted Omari Spellman um and thought that was who they were gonna draft. And then for Polinka to to basically pin it on Josh Hart and say like, yo, well, yeah, I, I talked to Josh Hart and, you know, he brought up some, some things that, uh, that just confirmed some of my suspicions and, you know, that, that, um, he, he might not, uh, you know, might not pan out, might not be good. And then, you know, obviously when asked for clarification, Josh Hart was like, dude, I mean, all I told him was, you know, I, I mean, nothing he, he couldn't see for himself that, you know, he's, He's a little out of shape, but he's got a really, like, hard work ethic. Any, like, that should not discourage a smart GM from making a pick based on basketball skill set, knowing what the NBA can do as far as conditioning. Um, and, he, again, he didn't, give, he didn't give him any information that he didn't already fucking know. Um, <clears throat> so to, like throw it out there and kind of pin it on Josh Hart was super fucking weird and I, I feel like that maybe fuck Josh Hart might not be there next season so that might not matter but like these are kind of like relationships that Plink is like cultivating there um, it's just dude it's so fucking weird I don't know how you can be arguably the most popular basketball team uh, in the world and just be this poorly managed, this much of a shit show. Um, and then, you know, the reports also come out about how Magic was, you know, essentially there were these two different versions of them. There was the Magic side and then the Irvin side. And you didn't want to catch the Irvin side. And, you know, people were afraid to say anything to anybody in HR or anything because, 
you know, that, well, obviously they're going to fucking take Magic's side. Um, that's not a good look either. Um, I don't think that's as concerning, specifically speaking, because Magic isn't there anymore. Um, so that's not as concerning as the whole Palenka thing. Um, but that's not a good look either. That's really, like, you don't want somebody there who, you know, basically can bully other people um, and, and, and you don't want to cultivate an environment where people who, who go to work um, are afraid to, uh, you know, object to any sort of actions that their boss um, does. Like that's, that's not a good fucking work environment. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, those are kind of my, my two big takeaways, uh, from, from this whole article. What are your thoughts on it? And was, you know, what, what grabbed you in particular from this? No, I mean, you took what I was going to say with the magic side. I mean, I'll get to Blink in a second, but the magic side kind of surprised me because we always knew it was a shit show, uh, like getting run last year, just all the signs were on the wall. I mean, the people are signing, it was just like, Everything was just like, what the hell is going on, like, in with Magic and Palinka and everything in there. So, you kind of, but the whole, like, the two different sides, like, what is he, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Like, that's how I got to go to work now? Like, you didn't want to see the urban side and, and, you know, all that. And, like, what really got my attention to was someone must have tipped Magic. And he was on ESPN, like, that night and just yeah. trying to, like, you know, shape it for himself and, like, kind of like denied and all that and just like magic at this point i don't believe you because there's just so much that like you've already what you did on first take and all that and everything and now like stuff's coming out about you and you're gonna like instantly hop in and like deny everything and say like no i kind of feel like it is true so yeah. it's kind of like like I'm, 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 I'm happy as like a celtics fan but it's sad like in a sense of like what what is going on like what is Jeannie doing? Like, I, I hate to like point it on someone, but it's nope. going to end up coming down to Jeannie. And is like, does she know what she's doing? <clears throat> she has way too many cooks in the, in the kitchen. Like you hear about the Ramesses and like all these yeah. like different people that have to put their input into it. It's just like, what is this like care of like a, an organization that you're running? And like you said, it's the number one basketball team in the world. So it's, you've got to have like a large staff and all that. And just from like the ground up, it's just like terror, like just terrible and all that. So it just, I don't know. It's, it's shocking, but you know, it, it made me kind of like feel like it was more true how quickly you saw magic on ESPN and all that. And then, yeah, you know, everything, and Stephen a that, having a, uh, well, just, just to add on real quickly, like his little spiel about how he was never brought into the HR department. Like he's like, I never even fucking stepped foot in the HR department. Um, like the uh, uh, Baxter Holmes, like brought up in the low post interview. He's like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he didn't because everybody was so intimidated by him that no one was going to ever bring any of this shit up. That like for fear of being ostracized or you know um, fired or or you know whatever. Um, so like like the fact that like well yeah no complaint was ever officially levied against you doesn't mean you weren't conducting business in you know ways that would be considered improper. Yeah, so it just I don't know it's, that's the sad part, but the 
The other part with Polinka, I mean, at this point, you have to hold on to him for right now just because, like, it's already just a shit storm. You can't even make it look even more terrible because you're not going to convince anyone. I mean, one person that I thought could have taken the job was David Griffin. He obviously was like, no, nah, I'd rather do things in New Orleans and stay away from you guys. I don't blame so, you. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be, you know, I mean, your you one hope is um, – I don't even know at this point. I don't think anyone wants to take the job. So, do you just keep Polinka? I like. I know they're waiting till the finals are over. But what do you sell? I mean, well, wait. Who'd you say? Not Bob Myers. Uh, who are you talking about? Danny Danny Ferry. Like, if you couldn't get any of the big names, I think you could get Danny Ferry, and he proved to be competent when he was in Atlanta. Um, he had the fucking. He got fired because of like some random like racist shit that he said. Um, I, I can't even remember the exact context of it, but saying something about like we need to get more white people in the stands or some shit like yeah. that. Something he said something really fucking yeah. stupid. Um, and it ended up getting him fired. Um, but I mean that's he's several years removed from that now. Um, I I think he would be a, a possibility who would be you know somebody who you could plug in who would actually be competent. Um, Brian Colangelo. Um, obviously he had the whole, uh, burner, uh, account scandal in Philadelphia. He's a year removed from that. I wouldn't mind him either. I mean, it's just like, but that's, that's the level of things. Like these are the guys, like there is, there is nobody on the open market that I would not rather have than Rob Polinka. Like Jeannie needs to get in there, wipe the whole fucking slate clean and just hire someone and tell them, build your staff. Do your thing. You're in charge. Go. Like, you don't have, like, run shit by me, but you don't have, like, seven different people that you got to run shit by. Like, that's not how you manage an organization. Um, and, you know, if she, if they do want to get somebody like Bob Myers um, or, you know, Masai or, you know, any, any sort of big name, um, then that's how they're going to have to conduct, them, you know, their business. And like to me, that's how you just you should conduct it, regardless of whether you get a big name. Even if you get someone who's just like competent, like fuck, give me Ernie Grunfeld over motherfucking Rob Polinka. Like Jesus, like th- this is just such a shit show. Now, all of this being said, I-, I don't I don't expect anything to happen. If it was gonna happen, you would think it would have already happened. Like, I mean, you would have already like made the decision, all right, we're going to go in a different direction. Maybe you don't know exactly what that direction is yet, but you would have already made the, the decision to go in a different direction. Um, so I don't I don't expect any of this to change. I mean, I would hope that Jeannie Buss is smart. I mean, I don't think she's stupid. I would hope she's smart enough to see the writing on the wall, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think you, you stand back now. Um, but I think that's what she will do. No, I mean, she will do it. And I mean, it's just at this point where it's just like, they're so invested. The bus family is so invested in it. She can't sell it. Cause there's nothing else that their family does. And it's just oh, like yeah. something to keep in, keep in your line and keep it going. But it's just like at right now, it's just like all of them have just been terrible for like their dad's legacy right now. I mean, it's very simple. I mean, just get the right people to run in and stay out. I mean, don't have so many people going into it. I mean, if you're trying to get like 
on Bob Myers right now. I mean, it's it's going to be hard to sell him on what you have right now unless you sell him on the fact that I've been waiting to clear shop. But besides Vogel that we just hired, it's just you, and you choose everything. Just start from top down. What do you want to do? You can have magic stuff. Yeah. You can do whatever. So, I mean, it's just – but you have to wait. It's just – but, look, right now it's – like, it, it's to the point where it's just that whole – like she's competing with some of the terrible owners in basketball. And it's just like, it's not because she does terrible things. It's because she doesn't know how to run things correctly. And that's surprising. Like the other ones are just terrible. And it's just like, you know, they torment their fans and all that. But this one is like, it's, it's easy. You have the Lakers. That's all you have to do. Just get the right people and stop having 13 people. I mean, I read that one article where I can't think of her name, but it's like one of her best friends is also like a big decision maker for her. And, um, oh man, well, yeah, I wish I could... and Linda Rambis, she and Linda Rambis are really close. And like Linda Rambis has a lot of sway in the decision making, and she's really tight with Rob Polinka. So it's like, it's this fucking web of nepotism that has just fucking entrenched this organization. And God, it's fucking sad, man. Like, I mean, none of us are Lakers fans on this pod. Um, obviously not you, not me, uh, definitely not Joel. I think he may hate the Lakers more than you do as, as crazy as that is to imagine. Um, but like, and, and Juwan neither, but like, I don't know. None of us want to see an organization this fucked up, you know, like it's like, it, it, it just, it's terrible. Like, and you know, we all know that, you know, when the NBA is at its best, um, it's when, you know, your um, LA, your, your Lakers, your Celtics, your Knicks, your Bulls, like they're all kind of, you know, these top teams, you want your big markets to do well. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just not the case right now. I mean, the Celtics are the only one out of the, like either historical or super big market teams that are even close to relevant. I mean, I guess you could say the Warriors, but like, like they're San Fran's, you know, the Bay area is like a reasonable, it's, it's of the same ilk size market as Boston, but it doesn't have the, the history. Um, and, you know, so they're obviously a draw, but not not on the same level as those other teams if they were successful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just it, – it sucks. Like, it, the, I know Bill Simmons threw this out and some other people have been talking about it. I've seen some articles pop up about it. Um, like, what would you if, – if they strike out in free agency, do you think there's a possibility that they trade for fucking Chris Paul? Because, I mean, I think that's oh, yeah. crazy, but, I mean, I can't put it past fucking Palinka, you know? If Palinka's still doing it, even – I mean, unless you get the right person that's in there. I mean, Palinka's in it, and you struck – like, because – okay – if I'm a free agent right now, what is selling me on going to your organization? I've heard a lot of agents already didn't like Polinka, so that wasn't kind of working right. in his favor when he was an agent. I kind of heard he had already built that reputation. 
and now not right. a lot of GMs like you. So it's just easy, mm-hmm. like a word around and like, and just like everything that's written on the wall right now. Like, I mean, you're seeing it. I mean, they're definitely like looking at it. So like, what's selling me to go to play with you and, and LeBron, and I don't know what you're going to do. And if anyone's going to even trade with you and all that. So like, I mean, I don't think they they're gonna strike out because still the Lakers and any and they could turn around at any point. But I just I don't know what top free agents trying to go there now. Are you gonna mm-hmm. settle with the uh, with the the you know the tier three kind of level guys and sign them the big money or? I mean, yeah, like I, I, I could just I could totally see them giving Vucevic a max contract. You know, yeah. like and it's. It's, it, but, but like why like I understand you shuck out but there's no reason I mean he's a good player and like don't get me wrong he'd be pretty good on the Lakers but not the max contract I mean so I could definitely see no. him we saw what like he that, did but... in the playoffs dude he got completely yeah. taken out of the fucking whole series he didn't do shit against Toronto so it's just like what would you do in, and then the end I mean It'd be ironic if Chris Paul actually got traded to the Lakers this time and it didn't get, you know, vetoed. So um, <laughs> that, that would be funny. Yeah. But I, we'll I honestly, even though we got, we finally like got Le- Chris Paul, just like, you know, ten years too late or whatever. Yeah, for I, I know he's LeBron's boy and everything, but I hope LeBron's like smart enough to be like, you know, he's my boy, but I don't want to play with him. Like, you know, he's my boy. But I just don't want to play with him because, I mean, no offense to Paul, he's he's a good player, but he's not a playoff leading point guard. He always has these issues with his players and all that. I mean, you just go back to Lob City and all that, and it's just running back right now what you've seen in Hardy. So it's not like he's he's the best player sometimes. And I think for LeBron, for their friendship, I, I think like I wouldn't want to play with him. But I wouldn't hold it past if Polika is still there. And he has able, like, he's able to do, like, make his own moves and all that. And, it, like, she doesn't fire Polinka right after the finals. And I could definitely, if they do strike out, yeah, Chris Paul. I mean, what other team would really honestly trade for Paul? Like, right now, I mean, I don't see the him only holding team, a high market. The only other team, yeah, the only other team that I could come up with, like, that that made any amount of sense to me was the Heat. Um just because, like, like they could, they could ship out some of those two-year deals that aren't super nice, um, you know, like your James Johnson, um, your uh, uh, Ryan Anderson, uh, or no, he's expiring this year. Um, they, they, I can't remember all who all. Olenek, they were, I there think, is a two-year still. Kelly Olenek, yeah, Olenek trade, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they have one other one um, too. Uh, oh, Dion Waiters. So like, if I could get if I could get out of like those shitty players that have two years left, like I'm not sending you like a slew of expirings for them. Um, I'm not doing that. But like, if you're willing to take you know a package centered around like two of those three guys, and then figure out what salary makes the money work and all that. Um, like I I might consider that if I'm the Heat. Like, especially if I'm the Heat um, and I could make that move and then, you know, could potentially, you know, go to the Lakers and say, hey, um, you, you, you missed all your big free agents. Like, 
we'll we'll put together you know a, a reasonably decent trade offer for LeBron James involving like um, you know uh, Josh Richardson, who's a really good young player on a on a team friendly deal, Justice Winslow, um, you know uh, the, uh, you know our first our number fifteen pick um, or fourteen thirteen number thirteen pick. Um, and then, you know, an expiring to make the, the money work or whatever. Um, and we can throw in Bam Adebayo. So, like, you know, I, I feel like if I could make it – if I could get off some two-year deals and get Chris Paul and then put myself in position to, you know, put a trade package together for LeBron. Because I feel like that – if LeBron were to be traded, I feel like that is, like, the one place that, like, he could be traded where he would not be, like – pissed off about it like he'd be like all right cool well, i'm going back to miami fucking love the day miami going to play with my buddy we're probably not going to win a championship but maybe we can get d wade back for a year maybe we bring mellow in banana boat like miami whatever you know something like that um but i mean that's a, that's a still it's still to me a stretch like i still i still feel like miami would be like and do we really want to do that, you know? But if you're trading off two years, um, you know, for three, you know, two years of, of contracts for three years of Chris Paul, you know, you're, you're only giving up that one extra year of salary. Um, so it's not, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, but, you know, and I, and I actually do feel like if, I, if I'm the Lakers, if I could get, you know, a, a package centered around a late lottery pick, Bam Adebayo, Josh Richardson, and, you know, uh, Justice Winslow. Like, I'd do that in a fucking heartbeat. Like, it, it, if I knew it wasn't going to piss LeBron off, like, if I knew there wasn't going to be, like, all these reports of him coming out saying, you know, he was just stunned by the trade and fuck the Lakers and all that. Like, you know, I would I would want to run it by him and be like, hey, like, we got this offer. You know, you can go back to Miami and, you know, get out of here and whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he would be like, yeah, you know what? That doesn't sound that bad. Like that. That actually, I mean, at least I can go back to a place I'm familiar with. That you know, I love being in. You know, go compete for you know in the playoffs in the East for the you know final few years of my career. I don't know, whatever. Um, but again, super, super, super fucking long shot. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see very many. Very many players taking that contract. Um, well, let's let's transition over to that though. So, we had a report come out that the Rockets uh, are, are making everyone on their roster available after losing to the Warriors in the semifinals. Um, now, it, I think there was some kind of like uh, parentheses saying like James Harden very unlikely, um, but it did not. It did not specify that he was off the table. Um, do you think this is the right approach by the Rockets? Um, obviously, they have the ongoing issue with um, Mike D'Antoni. Um, so you know he's still on board, but they like pretty much fired his whole staff, um, and he's on a one-year deal. They haven't been able to reach any sort of agreement. Um, for an extension, and, and I read like an article like an hour ago saying that like talks have broken down as far as any any um, word on that extension. So they got that going on. They're they're putting all their players out 
like announcing to everybody um, that that all their players are out on the market. Um, this this doesn't seem like a good look either. They also you know famously kind of um, tiptoed around the luxury tax at the trade deadline um, and moved all these various pieces uh, to get essentially you know to to get out of the luxury tax. Not a great look. I. I understand why they did it and I don't fault them for doing that um, because the players that they wanted to get um, that would have been worth it to go over the luxury tax they just couldn't work out any sort of deals for um, i.e. your Jimmy Butler Um, so I get that aspect of it but still like you still could have put together a better team had you decided we really really don't care about the luxury tax Um, like it would have been really nice, probably, to have had James Ennis, uh, you know, give you 20 minutes a game in the playoffs, um, as opposed to, you know, anybody else that was getting 20 minutes a game. Gerald Green, for example, because um, Ennis actually proved to be pretty important for the Sixers um, in their run. Uh, but yeah, what, what, what's your take on this? Um, who do you who do you think is the most likely to be traded out of out of any of these guys? Um, and just your general thoughts on the strategy coming out of Houston. No, I mean, I don't mind that uh, he listed, uh, like, if Maury is the one that, like, told I – mean, Woj is the one that tweeted out, and obviously if he talked to, you know, and, and they, like, I don't mind that everyone's on the tables. I mean, obviously he's going to go to Harden and be like, yo, check it. Like, we'll talk, you're not. But I got to, like – because you can't make everyone right. mad that it's just, like – Everyone's on the table, but James Harden's off limits because now it's just kind of like looking like, yeah, well, and and it, like say for instance, what if they don't run it, do a trade, and they just run it back, like and make ten things ten times worse for that. So at least he kind of just put it out there, like none of y'all are safe. So just know that. So I mean, in all honesty, I think that they need to wait too until after you know the whole free agency period's over because I mean, if I mean, even though you just lost to a Durant list Warriors, I mean, I'd try to just run it back and do minor things, not major things. But if you know, but I, in all honesty, I, like I see that happening over someone getting traded, just because, like you're saying, like that Chris Paul contract is so bad. Like in four years or, or like three, do you want to be paying forty-two million dollars? Like that—that that is what you're going to be paying for Chris Paul. That is just, like, a scary, like, no, 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 no. And, like, I know, like, how you listed, like, you know, your teams that think that you do it. The only team that I feel like would kind of do it, and it makes sense just a little bit, is if Phoenix Suns strike out, because I don't think – I think they are going to strike out. I don't see anyone running to the Suns, but I could see the Suns doing it and and taking on a contract. I just – I still don't – I think if – uh, Rozier has any other like city competing and it's between like you know Phoenix and all that I don't think he's going to choose Chicago Phoenix over it I mean Orlando. they could yeah, like, Chicago and Orlando all, over Phoenix all they can do is yeah. like max them and I could see another team being like alright we'll max you too and then you have the the Celtics that can always match it too so God. I don't see Rozier so <laughs> that I could contract see, is fucking I, scary the max contract yeah, could, for Terry Rozier, God. Yeah, if, they, if someone maxed them, 
Oh man, yeah. But but hey, you know, you never know. I mean, I've seen crazy things happen, but I Chris Paul's just gonna be hard, but I could see Suns doing it. I mean, you wouldn't even have to take that. I mean, what you could maybe take I mean, you're not gonna get T J Warren, but that's like your best I mean, if you could somehow trick them into thinking Chris Paul's worth that and do something like that, I mean, you just at this point you just wanna get off this contract if you're really if if because it is, I mean, there's three different, uh, like, people running it right now, and they all have, like, it's it's the owner and Denitoni on one side and it's Maury on the other side. So it's just, like, what's going on and all that. So Should you know, have taken that to... job in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, what are they doing? But I don't know. I mean – it's hard to say because you can't, like, Capella, you two trade assets because Gordon's on expiring, and it's just no point to just trade that. I mean, he's, keep him on the team. If you're going to keep anyone, it should be Harden and him because Harden's your long run building around, and Gordon's on expiring, so why just get rid of that? He actually can do something for you. Unless you the right keys. Okay, but I don't like, see for anything instance, coming. I could, here's one that I, I've floated that I could see. Um, if you could somehow trade Gordon and like two future firsts for Covington, I would probably do that trade. Um, heavily protected, like you know, don't get. Obviously, Maury would make sure that they were. Um, but like the, I know there was that report uh, earlier today from Bleacher Report saying that um, you know the the Timberwolves are interested in and trading Wiggins to the Hawks, I seriously doubt that happens. Um, I don't think anyone is taking the Wiggins contract. Um, I, I just I don't see it happening. Um, so you need to get off some money. Uh, so, you know, if you're able to get Gordon, um, who's a serviceable shooting guard, and hopefully you're hoping uh, Joshua Koji can make that next step by next year. He comes off your books. You're saving a little bit of money that way. Um, I don't, and you get to future first like that. That could be a deal that I could see happening because I think Covington, his defense would be just like even better than Ariza's was, and the fact that he's a forty percent three point shooter um, would like kind of fit fit what you need. Um, he's not going to be the shot creator that Eric Gordon can be, um, but when you have James Harden and even Chris Paul. To a, to a certain degree, um, I think I think that deal could make a lot of sense. But I wouldn't I wouldn't there's I I can't think of anybody else that I would try to shop Gordon for. Like that would be the only one. Yeah, I mean that that's a dream scenario. I think for but that that wouldn't happen. Them to get Covington, even though you would have to give up two, like you said, very protective first rounders, and that's the more enticing thing and getting off some money. But honestly, I mean, the three people I'm stuck, I'm definitely, if I'm going to blow things up and I'm not going to run it back after I see everything that goes down in free agency and where people land in, like kind of see like the land right now and, and everything. I'm, I'm like PJ Tucker, Gordon and, and Harden. That's my three. And now I got to build around that. I mean, Capella's contract's pretty, it's not like, a lot of money. It's just it's twenty mil per year. If I'm not like mistaken, pretty uh, sure it's like no, that. It's a, little, it's a little less than that. 
I, it's like I think it was like 15 this year. I think it was up to like 16.5 or 17 next year. Um, so it's in that ball. I think it was I think it was five years 110. Um, if I if I'm remembering correctly, um, but it's a it's an escalating contract, so it'll get bigger. It'll get a lot closer to 20 and surpass 20 by the end of it. So it's just like who who's in his market right now? I mean, how, what are you going to fetch for that? It's just it's going to be hard. Yeah, for them Justin really Barrier can things. shut his fucking mouth about my Hawks trade insurance. <laughs> like, fuck you, Barrier. <laughs> I honestly, before he, like I like I had heard that and all that, I honestly thought that your team could be one of them. You or Dallas um, were two teams that I thought could take on the contract because you know you kind of you're not there yet, but this you know you you could be like it's not like it's putting you over the mark, but it's helping you out in some areas where you're kind of weak. And, and Dallas too, I don't see anyone going to them anyways, and you know. And that it, even though these centers are going extinct nowadays, it's not bad to have a type of center like that. So, and like, what 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 else are you spending your money on? I mean, there's no point to do the Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, like, I mean, you could do the Brogdon, but there, but uh, but like, say you don't get him because Milwaukee can always match it no matter what. So match. Say like you you're not getting a restricted free agent. You're gonna go get an un. Like, you don't want to do like the terrible. Beyond, like, well, you know, sure, all those deals that happened we, back in okay. 2012. So, so my, I agree, but my counter to that would be that if we don't get the guys that we target, say we don't get any of the guys that we like, then I feel like you try to find, um, like, an Alex Lynn-type player that you can bring in for cheap for a couple years and see how they work out. Alex Lynn at $5 million is fucking great. I'd rather have Alex Lynn out on the floor for most of the game than Clint Capella because Alex Lynn can shoot. He can shoot from three. Um, he can rebound. He's not He's not nearly the defender that Capella is. So, I mean, that that's obviously true. But he has a big body who can work in the paint. Um, you find, like, guys like that who, you know, you, you can uh, – maybe only one, maybe two um, guys that, you know – Essentially, the market passed them by, and, and now they're trying to find a place to land. Um, and then you trade for expirings. You, you, you say, hey, Portland, like, give us a first-round pick, and we'll take Evan Turner off your hands you know, so you can get under the luxury tax. But maybe you know, if, if the market is really saturated and a lot of teams are doing that, we could even say, because we have the cap space, we even say we'll take him and um, – Say Myers Leonard or Mo Harkless off your hands, because like, all all three of those are expiring. Um, but we, you know, we want some assets in return. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, I I think that would be the better way to go, especially to it, with Barrier's idea to give up Torian Prince. Like, I, I if I'm giving up Torian Prince, I want to gain some kind of future asset, not necessarily, um, you know, a, a overpaid big man um, who. You know, uh, I you know I just don't I don't think fits in today's NBA at the price that he's being paid. Um, so like, if you're telling me all I had to give up was Miles Plumlee's expiring, okay, sure, why not? But like, I'm not giving up Prince and that. And if you're Houston, why would you would you really want to give up Capella for an ex- Miles Plumlee's expiring contract? Hell no. So that that's where I feel like there's an impasse there. 
No, yeah, I mean, it, you have to get something out of um, if you're training Capella, you got to get something out of him. I mean, here's right. my only like kind of like I understand it completely where you're coming from. Here's like my kind of say for instance, the East doesn't get that much stronger per se. Like a lot of like Kawhi actually ends up going to the Clippers and. Kevin Durant ends up like staying out west and going somewhere and all that, and the East is kind of just still not as strong. And Atlanta, you know, has a good, decent draft. You know, they do what you don't want them to do and take a center and waste one of their yeah. top picks on one of these centers and all that. So you know, you obviously do that. I hope they go position. with somebody better than Jackson Hayes. <laughs> That's all I No, but say. you get your wings. You get you get a couple of wings and all that, and you're helping. You know, you're helping with that side of the the defensive, and then, you know, and you still have your center position. Now at this point, and Capella could come in and help you guys. You would still say no to that, knowing that hey, there actually could be a chance that we could be the Sacramento Kings of this year, and actually with the East not being the West, we could sneak into eighth or seventh. And yeah. young and, and, and you know in his second year and, get and all swept that. in the first and, round. Yeah, hey, that doesn't matter. Trey Young in his that. second year already learns what the playoffs is like, and Collins needs to learn rather, what the playoffs are like. Better to know I, what that's I'd like rather, instead of five years from now and knowing the pressure and what's like with, to get your heart ripped out. Every, yeah, with lottery reform, <clears throat> with lottery reform, I'd rather just like finish like tenth, ninth or tenth, and like get a shot at winning one of the top four picks. Like, if you're telling me I got a 6% shot at, at number one versus, like, a 100% chance of being knocked out in the first round, uh, yeah, I'll give me the 6% chance at getting number one. Yeah, see, I don't know. I mean, I just, like, the, the upcoming drafts, there's no really transcendent player coming out for a while. I mean – gonna be three years till the next one so at, at this point i mean might as well see what my young guys do if, if the east like i'm saying if the east is weak i wouldn't be i wouldn't be kind of like shocked or mad if i was a hawks fan and and that trade ended up kind of shaking down i mean i understand where you're coming from but I just don't think... if i want to i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say just for like my i have a young coach I have a young, very young team. I know who I'm building around and those two, and it's better to get them out there and start learning, and especially for my coach to start learning on his own what the playoffs are like because the regular season is nothing what the playoffs are. The the regular season really doesn't tell you anything about how well you're going to do. I mean, yeah, you can be Golden State and just be kicking everyone's ass and, like, sometimes it's fair, but it really comes down to, like, anything you have in the playoffs, and it's a way different coaching game set and all that, so – and, and and everything. So might as well get out there and start figuring it out. Yeah, it's going to suck getting swept and all that, but, I mean, look at the Celtics, for instance. I mean, we got swept, I mean, and then, yeah, we didn't do good this year, but we still made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So, I mean, you're going to get past it. I mean, everything, you gotta you got to stumble. I mean, your team used to do it with people that weren't young and, and all that. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed if I have a chance. I mean, yeah. There is the six percent chance, but right now there's there's no player that's coming in that's going to be overtaking Young or Collins. So there's no reason that I need to keep on being in the bottom in my mind if I'm the Hawks and the East is where it's still at. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying like 
I, I want to phrase this in a particular context. I'm not saying I would be opposed to making the playoffs, but what I'm saying is if I had to commit to give up Prince, commit to Capella's contract, and that is what made me make the playoffs and lose in the first round, so I'm committing that money to Capella long-term for the next four years. Um, I I don't know. I just, I'm just i not like a huge fan of it. I like John Collins playing the five. I think John Collins, in most instances, can play the five just fine. In the instances when um, you're going up against a Joel Embiid or something like that, you throw Alex Lynn out there, and he's a bigger body, um, can still stretch the floor. Uh, like, I'm fine with that. I don't feel like we need a center. Um, not to mention, like, I feel like Omari Spellman is going to come back this year, and um, he's, he's going to play well. Um, he's a big dude. Um, he's not super tall. I think he's only, like, 6'9". Um, but he's got a pretty impressive wingspan. Um, I want to say it's 7'3", seven, 7'4", seven, something like that. Um, and, you know, he, I mean, he could be a guy, obviously, could play center. Um, you definitely don't want to give Plumlee a whole lot of minutes. That's a last, last resort. Um, but we got enough bigs. I, I, I don't – I feel like rim runners are, are overrated. Um, I, I, I get the fact that Capella is, like, really solid defensively um, at protecting the paint, um, and he would certainly help us get some extra wins. Um, I just feel like that'd be a, a case of, like, cutting corners. Um, plus, uh, what I was going to say earlier, um, Travis Schlink's MO is players who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Um, like, fucking Capella can't do any of those things. Like, really. Uh, so, you know, I don't feel like he fits the mold of the kind of players that um, – that TS wants to go out and get. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't, I just don't think it makes sense coming from the perspective of um, what the GM has said time and time again, um, what, you know, the decisions that he's made in the past um, and, you know, how I see um, the organization moving forward. So, um, I mean, if he did it, I, you know, I'd, be a little pissed about it, but I mean, I get over it. Um, I mean, fuck, I got over the Luca trade, so I mean, this would be, um, you know, uh, wouldn't be as, as devastating to me as that was. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, I would still be, you know, I'd still be like, really, like you're committing like fucking this much money to this fucking guy. Um, the same thing with the Wiggins thing. Like, it's just it's it's an unnecessary amount of money. Um, to, to like give up any any amount of asset um well to give up any amount of asset for Capella as it pertains to Wiggins it's just way too much fucking money like I'm not I don't want to pay a guy 30 million dollars a year to take 18 shots and shoot 40 percent like and shoot 67 percent from the line like it's just 30 what 33 percent from three I think is what he shot last year um so same thing, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Hawks are going to be in like the realm of speculation because of their cap space, because they're a rebuilding team, um, you know, because they have all of these various assets that they can move around. So I expect them to be in a lot of talks. I don't expect a 
a lot of the things that are talked about to come to fruition. It's going to be the things – the things that happen are going to be the things that aren't talked about because that's kind of always the way the Hawks work. Um, you don't usually hear a lot about what's going on with them until it happens. Um, they're, they're a very um, uh, enclosed organization. Not a lot gets out. So, uh, But we'll see. We'll see how it, how it pans out. But, uh, but yeah, uh, so to tie it all back in, we both don't think Paul's really going to be on – like no one's going to really want Paul except for maybe the Lakers. And even then, I think we're both skeptical of that. Um, I, I, just to, just to throw this out there, like, you know, if I was the Lakers, I'd call up Maury and be like, you take LeBron for Harden straight up. Like, I, I feel like, you know, along with this report that we got from the Lakers, a lot, you know, a lot of this dysfunction is, is obviously tied to Palinka and was tied to magic but there's a lot going on with LeBron and his camp and his dudes who get jobs and Rich Paul basically, you know, going and talking to Adam Silver about how he doesn't like Luke Walton. Um, and, you know, like it, there's a lot of drama that, that just the LeBron camp brings in general, not to mention, you know, all of the shit that happened with the team at the end of the season after the Anthony Davis stuff. Um, you know, Harden's four years younger. I think he's four and a half years younger. Um, so he fits your timetable better. He arguably fits better with your current core because if you have Lonzo, um, you know, kind of being the distributor type um, who can maybe stagger minutes with Harden, um, and then, you know, you got Ingram, Kuzma, and then whoever you figure out at center, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a better fit in my opinion. Um, I mean, Harden's a tough guy to fit similar to LeBron. Um, but the biggest thing would be the age factor for me, for the Lakers. It'd give you a, a bigger window. Um, also, maybe maybe one of these free agents is more inclined to come play with James Harden than they would be LeBron James. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I'm just I, – I feel like it's pretty evident that m- most of these guys don't want to come and play with LeBron, you know, even – aside from the dysfunction of the organization. Um, and I just feel like if you're if you're the Rockets and you're looking at your situation like, all right, we can't trade CP3. Nobody wants him without us giving up assets. Um, Capella, we, we maybe can move, but it's you know, probably going to prove to be difficult. Um, like you said, we don't really want to trade Gordon or P.J. Tucker, especially Tucker. I mean, his it's like defense, like I, I had him second team all defense this year. He's fucking terrific uh, for them this year. Um, and he's just, he's affordable. He's like $10 million a year or less. Um, so, that, I mean, that's that's obviously a luxury. Um, but I think if you if you plug LeBron into that lineup instead of Harden, I think you're just hoping like, all right, well, you know, come playoff time, LeBron's better than Harden, at least history has bared that out now we don't know what's going to happen with lebron and his age um but you know our timeline pretty much goes by with where chris paul is because in three years let's say let's say this let's say after the next two seasons cp3 becomes expiring then he becomes easier to move um 
So maybe you're looking at a situation where you can move him in three years, um, so after the next two seasons. But at that time, now Harden is going to be tailing off from his prime. Um, so it's like, what can you really do with, you know, with that timetable going forward? Like, I would just be like, we're, we're we fucking we're so tied to Chris Paul now because he's an immovable contract. Like, well, fuck, let's just go get, let's just upgrade a player who fits in line with CP3's timetable. That's LeBron James. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it'll happen. Um, but I, I do, I do think it's. I don't think it's a bad trade for either side for the reasons I listed. What do you think? No, it's not a bad trade at all. It's just, um, it's one of those trades that won't happen in the end. Um, it, it does work for both sides, like you're saying, and all that. But I just, I feel like the Rockets are already committed to this, and they're just going to have to run it back and just see what happens with Durant and everything. And just, you know, hope, you know, next year you just play the same thing and see if someone else knocks out Golden State without Kevin Durant and all that and see, like, what the West was really like. So I, I just feel like Houston's going to stay pat. Now they might make some minor deals and all that and not do some things like they had to do this year where they sign some people and then do a bunch of cuts and try to get everyone that's on the open market once they get released from their team in the buyout market. So, But um, it's going to be tough for them. I just feel like they're just – they're too – committed and a lot of cap and their three top players where it's just it's too it's it's impossible for them to really make moves that are gonna even if they they were to make any of these trades none of them are really going to make them jump over golden state where they're at right now even with the you don't think a lebron trade would make them i think that wouldn't favor the lebron change would but i'm just saying that's the last one that would ever like happen is that that That's would fair. be some. Palinka's not that smart to do a trade like that. How about that? <laughs> he's, he's not. He wouldn't pull it off for you. So it makes sense. And yes, they would be better. But other than that, um, Harden still being on the team, you trade CP3. It's nothing's gonna make you so run it back. You've already committed. Just keep on. You know it sucks, but hey, you. They they did this to themselves with uh, knowing who they're building around. I mean, so they just they gotta yeah. hope and pray that some other team takes out who you know their their nemesis in, in Gold State, and they don't have to worry about them in the Western Conference Final, and that's how they make it. So, or they actually end up just beating them somehow with um you know next year just without a Kevin Durant with team the whole time. So we'll we'll see we'll see. It's interesting though. Yeah, I. Curry's Curry's got those ankles, man. You never know. Um, but uh, hey, knock on wood too, because we obviously wouldn't want that to happen. But I mean, it seems like that's the kind of thing that it would take. Um, but yeah, I I I kind of expect them to keep most of these guys too. Um, I could see. I don't think Paul or Harden are going anywhere. Um, Capella is probably the most likely to, or, or PJ Tucker. I think Capella or Gordon are the most likely to be moved in some kind of form or fashion because, you know, Capella d- d- does still have, um, you know, value even though he's overpaid. Um, and, and Gordon as an expiring at $14 million, like certainly that, that holds value. Um, 
But yeah, it's going to be tough. Hopefully, they at least use like the you know mid-level exception this year, which they did not do last year, um, to try and like you know get some wing help. Um, you know, like a I don't know a Wayne Ellington. Like if you could pay him part of the mid-level exception and still manage to stay under the the tax, um, like he'd be a guy who'd be you know a nice fit. Um, maybe you could plug him into the starting lineup and, and bring Eric Gordon off the bench again or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. All right, uh, we'll make this one quick. I'm going to take a page out of Rachel Nichols' book here. Um, Anthony Davis met with David Griffin um, a couple days ago in Los Angeles um, to discuss, I would imagine, uh, Griffin's future, Davis's future, his future with or without the team, you know, all of these kinds of things. Uh, so something, nothing, or everything? No, I mean, I think uh, I think that it, it had to be done. Um, I think Griffin's a really smart coach, and he understands what he's doing. I mean, not coach, uh, GM. And uh, yeah. he actually understands how to uh, run an organization, all that So. I feel like, you know, he's got to meet this star player that obviously is a very transcendent player um, and see if there's anything that he can do to smooth it over. I mean, it might not work, but even if he can just get confirmation and Anthony Davis is just like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, we could have Zion and, and I see what you're saying and all that, but it's just at this point, it's too far gone. Um, I could, I just like Griffin just being like, hey, man, just let it be on my terms that, you know, I'm going to trade you and everything. Like, don't don't keep on leaking it out there and do what you did this year where, 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 you know, you're saying all these things like, let me do the trade. I'll make the right one. We'll make it work for all sides. Like, let's just do, like, how normal things, how normal trades are behind doors. Uh, so I think, you right. know, it, it was smart for him to do it right now because, you know, we're coming up on the end of the year. Might as well not not have like any kind of conversation with them before you know i mean they moved up the free agency and the draft too so you kind of want to be like you know we're even though everyone knows they're taking Zion, just like here's my whole plan and all that so i think it was smart by griffin might as well see what you can do if there's any way you can turn this around run it back um I don't think if they if they do convince them i don't think it's going to be one of those ones where people have been like you can just trade them at the trade deadline, um, I just think the, you know, he uh, Griffin already understands that if if I'm going to trade you, I got to trade you right now when I can get the most out of you, not yeah. right at trade deadline where I'm not getting everything. So I just think it was just uh, one of those kind of kind of things. So you know, uh, nothing wrong with meeting your star player that wore that's all folks show to. Um, the last basketball game ever, but uh, <laughs> hey, that that wasn't your team that you're running. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I think it's smart on Griffin's part. Uh, I don't expect much to have come out of it as far as um, anything like anything to change, but like Davis to change Davis's mind or um, to to change the situation that that Griffin finds himself in. Um, but, I mean, like you said, I think, you know, you sit down, you have a discussion with him. Um, if he makes it clear that he still wants wants to be traded and there's there's nothing, you know, that you could do as a GM to make him happy and make him want to stay, 
um, you know, short of, you know, maybe, you know, if he if he says, you know, hey, like if you take that number one pick and flip it into somebody who's actually like really good right now, like like if he said trade trade the number one pick for Bradley Beal and number nine, I think Washington has, and see what you can flip for number nine and to get you know other things like. At that point, if I'm David Griffin, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I, I appreciate that that would get you to, like, stay for a year. Um, if that's not getting you to actually sign the extension, like, at the moment that I make that trade, I'm not doing it. And I would still have to even think about it, um, you know, if, if if you did agree to sign the extension. Um but I, I don't expect any of that kind of stuff to happen. I mean, he wants out of there. That's, I mean, that's kind of become clear at this point. And, you know, um, it, it, but it's good to sit down and meet with your guy. Um, I think one thing of interest here is um, if they do trade him to the Lakers, they or, – or, you know, whoever they trade him to, and just in the future in general – they're probably going to end up with more clutch sports clients on their team. David Griffin is very smart about this. He recognizes that you don't want to be at odds with an entire um, uh, agency. That's how you end up not being able to get Paul George, um, you know, because obviously um, that was a factor in, in um, you know, Paul George's agent not wanting to send him to Los Angeles. Now, obviously, Paul George is still the, the person who made that decision, um, but I have no doubt in my mind that uh, given the, the track record with the Lakers and, that, and, and his agent, um, that played some, some, at least some amount of, of a factor. So I think it's smart on his part not only to kind of see where you're at with Davis, but to make sure that you – are, are, you know, crossing all the T's, dotting, dotting all the I's as far as how to go about making, uh, like, leaving this relationship without a sour taste in in the mouth of uh, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. Um, particularly if you, say, end up trading him to the Lakers and you get number four in return and then you draft a player um, – who was just signed by Clutch Sports, i.e. a Darius Garland um, or a Cam Reddish. So I think it makes a lot of sense to me to, to do this. I don't make much of it, but I think it's just David Griffin being smart and being calculating and um, just it, – it, it definitely makes you, uh, makes you question why the Lakers didn't – just fire everybody immediately and be like, come, please come here. And David Griffin, like we, we really want you. Um, but of course they did not. Um, but anyway, we can move on from that one. Um, I want to get uh, just your, your brief thoughts before um, I get your take on the finals. Um, post combine. Um, I, I, I had a couple players that stood out to me at the combine. Um, the first one being uh, Nicholas Claxton. Um, he's moved up my board and a lot of people's boards um, based off his performance at the Combine. Um, big man out of University of Georgia, go dogs, uh, who is a 
you know, he's 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 a big. He's like six ten, six eleven. Um, but you know, he was their primary instigator on offense, um, facilitator, I guess I should say. Uh, and you know, he uh, obviously has the ability to handle the ball. Um, very good passer, um, especially for for a guy of his size. Um, he's solid in the paint, good rebounder. Um, his, his shooting. Uh, it, it, it you know leaves something to be desired, um, but this this kid is like the kind of uh, somewhat the kind of uh, athlete that you really would be looking at as far as the the center position of the future. His ability to switch and guard the perimeter is outstanding. Um, and that was probably the biggest takeaway that I had from him at the combine. Um, I've moved him up into the mid twenties as far as my board. Um, I, I think he may still. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that he drops to 35. Um, but like I wouldn't be surprised if say you're Celtics if they're looking at you know trying to take another big man. I don't know if they are because they did just take Robert Williams. Um, but if that is some something that they want to address. You know, I would totally be comfortable with taking Nick Claxton at 22. Um, I think if he can figure out his shot, he's going to be great. I think he's going to be solid regardless. Um, do, do you have the same opinion that I have on him? Um, and, like, is there is there a guy who, who kind of stood out to you from uh, the workouts or, or just um, a guy in general who um, you feel like has, has gotten a boost lately? No, I mean, no, Claxton definitely um, showed. I mean, he just, he's, like you say, 6'10". Um, if you watched Georgia last year, he definitely ran the point for them for some reason just because they didn't really have a point guard and got injured and yeah. actually did pretty well at it. And like you say, in the way that NBA is going these uh, nowadays, it, it seems like more than these types of centers that can do more than just post down low and all that and, and get you occasional, like, block and all that, so... I mean, I think it's big. Uh, I still don't have him as high as you. I can see him possibly some teams. This year, I feel like the draft's going to be about teams that make, uh, like, instead of in the later and, like, early, like, um, second round, instead of, like, a person that can help them, they're going to take these guys that could be, like, you know, that could be really good. Like, Nazri too, is another one that I've always been fascinated. He didn't have that great of a combine, but, I mean, I've watched him last year at LSU. The kid knows how to shoot a three-pointer. I mean, he's 6'10". That's true. It's very hard to come by. I mean, like, he definitely knows how to, like, set the floor. Like, I can see people. Uh, another one that I'm going to maybe butcher his name. Um, he's from FSU. Um, give me a second. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I need to look at it. but I need to look at it before I say it. Uh, because it's, um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna leave this one up to you, man. <laughs> Mifundo Cabello. Uh, Bengeli. Now he's another one I think that I could see possibly. I think it's Cabengeli, but yeah. Um, Cabengeli, yeah. But but all yeah. these like they're big. They're just like they're very interesting, and they're kind of like are fitting like you know you're more mold of like where you want and like they're just like very tall and lengthy. Like I could see like you know teams taking more risks instead of getting that like guy that could possibly help out right now, like, you're a winning team, you already make the playoffs, or maybe just taking a guy that could be, like, a little project and, and jumping on him early, like you're saying, you, you would love for Claxton to fall into the second round where you guys are at, but I could definitely see him getting 
take it. I mean, if the Celtics were to do it, I mean, it'd be interesting. Uh, I definitely think at the time of 22, there's a lot more people on the board. But uh, another one that uh, I talked about last week, and I knew I blew his, um, I blew your mind when I had him high, just because I mean, I don't think he's gonna go where I had him to Minnesota. But Luca, Samanich, uh, um, Samanich, another guy yeah. I could definitely see. Um, taking in like you know right out of the lottery uh, early 20s um, the guy that knows how to shoot well I mean yeah he's yeah, from he Croatia and all great. that he's, st- he's still yeah it still looked really good definitely um, those first uh, the whole first um, game that they had he's definitely the one that just dominated that whole time like he definitely was like mm-hmm. I'm the best one right here so he's a very interesting one and all that but what really got me was it's not the guys like, you know, um, I always like, it's hard to judge too um, and these little quick scrimmages and all that because talent might not be, you might be stuck with them. Some people that are not fully and you're not having the top guys because a lot of them already know what they're doing, so they're only doing measurements. So the measurements are a big one out of me. I mean, big one that I was looking at is what was Culver's size? Um, how tall is he really? I know that was a big one where people had yeah. him listed from like, Six eight and all that. And now it's like he's a true six six, which I always thought he was. I don't like hold it down on, but it's like you know you get to see his measurements. Um, Brandon Clark with his, uh, you know, smaller wing sides. Like with the, these players that you kind of understood, like you know, there's going to be these limitations, but they're still really good players. But um, I like the ones that get the promises that that I didn't think that would they would skip out on the scrimmages, and that's a uh, Matisse Thibel um, out of Washington. Yeah, very interested in him. Definitely, you know, I've always – he's not one of those guys that where, you know, he's got a very – Celtics written the fuck all over him, bro. Hey, rumor <laughs> is that, that he could have been – that, right that's there. their – rumor is that he supposedly got the promise from them. So, I'm not saying anything. I mean, I like hey. it all the way. He's a 3 and D kind of guy. I just don't think – I yeah. can see another team jumping on it. But it's just – it's interesting, like, guys like that are getting promises right now. Like, and, um, you know, he could do it. I mean – his offensive game still has a lot of work to do to it, but he shot, you know, well from the three-point line, um, you know, his whole college career, and very good defensive player. And where you're at right now is that if you don't have one really good niche and you're not super athletic and there's possibly that, I mean, might as well be a 3 and D kind of a guy. I mean, that's, you know, you see yeah. more of them actually being better for teams for championships and all that. And he definitely fits that mold right now, like coming out and, definitely could be your 3 and D kind of guy. So those are the ones that really, I mean, Garland, I didn't think he would do the whole uh, workouts. I don't think, um, you know, he'd do uh, maybe do like some of the drills to let people see how his knee is and all that, but just to only do the measurements was very surprising to me. I mean, obviously he's got a very like, so those ones are the ones that interest me is like, you've already got this promise. So there's something, you know, that, that I mean, we all see it, but those are the ones that are definitely like you know because Thibault's already uh, obviously cemented himself as a first round pick. I mean, it took me oh, until yeah. the end of the year to really have him in the first round. I mean, that me was too. one that obviously if you if you got this promise, you're not getting a promise like, hey man, I'm going to take you in the second round. It's like, yeah man, okay, I'll skip out. No, you want to improve right. your stock as much, but you already got your promise that you're in the first round. I mean. You could be like last year, like Erdogan, uh obviously got the promise. I mean, he was hurt, but he obviously knew that Atlanta was going to take him because, I mean, it's not like Atlanta made that. Atlanta was like at all costs, we'll get you. 
So it's just like it's those like ones that are just like the more surprising that they didn't have to do anything to raise their stock to be like a Nick Claxton and get themselves out that, you know, the body of work, it's like, they don't have the highest feelings and the, and they do, but they're just like, they could do really well. And they're just kind of what you want. And if you can get them in like the, the later, like 18 to 24, there's nothing wrong with taking a swing on a guy like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, so a couple other people who stood up, I mean, Grant Williams, um, uh, scored very well on like basket, the, the, I guess the basketball IQ test that they do there. Um, so that'll be interesting. A lot of, he's got a lot of movement. Like there are people who have him as low as like an early second rounder. There are people who have him in the late lottery. Um, I've seen a lot of variation on him. Um, I have him, uh, as like a, um, right around number 20. I'm not sure, um, exactly where as of right now, um, I don't have my list in front of me, but somewhere in that ballpark. Um, but I think, I think he's really interesting. Uh, I think another player who kind of fits the same mold as him, PJ Washington, your dude. Um, I think he kind of, I think his general stock is higher. Um, probably because of his size and, and his um, more apt three-point shooting. Um, I think Williams kind of – I think he's a smarter player, um, but, but he doesn't seem to have the intangibles that Washington brings. Um, I'll be really interested to see, like, which one of those guys goes first. Um, like I said, P.J. Washington generally considered um, the better prospect across most sports. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I've seen some people who have Williams ranked considerably above him. Um, so I I think that'll be an interesting thing to follow. Um, I, uh, also like just a few guys who I think, um, maybe if not should consider going back to college, like, um, should be fully aware that they may be looking at two-way contracts at best um, and, you know, potentially even going undrafted and having to try to, you know, um, sign from there. Uh, oh, shit, I just had it. Um, uh, shit, what's his name? Uh, oh, Charles Bassey um, out of Western Kentucky. Um, that dude's stock was super high. Um, he was first-rounder um, at at least on one of my mocks, um, he's just continual, continually fell um, throughout the year for me. Um, he he shoots reasonably well from three, but on a very um, low attempt margin. Um, he, he looks lost trying to like pick up pick up uh, defensive positioning and things like that. Um, which I mean, to some degree you can teach, but like he looks really lost when he's on a basketball court on the defensive end, um, and like get, you know, you don't have to have like the most elite defensive center, um, but defense is really probably most important at the center position, um, and and the fact that he just doesn't seem like he at all knows what he's doing and he doesn't bring you that sort of elite scoring upside that say a dude like DeAndre Ayton brings you. It's hard to see the value in that. 
Um, I still think someone's going to take him in like the mid second round. Um, but I wouldn't <laughs> like, I would not want my Hawks to take him at 41 or 44. I just think there's, there's going to be better players available there. Um, Isaiah Roby, he's another guy who I, I think his stock has risen some. Um, I definitely, I mean, he's, he's not the most physical guy and that's the biggest knock on him. Because he's really an interior player who who plays with finesse. He doesn't have the physicality that you would want. But again, strength and conditioning, NBA, um, just like I you know brought up earlier with the Lakers and Amari Spellman, like you like you can get a guy to put on some some muscle mass um, once you get him in. I mean, we have so many examples of that. Um, so I I think. I think he'll end up being a mid-second rounder. Um, I, I like him. I would be totally fine if the Hawks took him at 44. Um, and uh, there was one other guy. Oh, Daquan Jeffries. Um, he's he's a guy that that six foot five, um, super athletic. I I think that he. I don't. I have no idea where he's going to go. See, I think he could be as high as like a, a late first rounder, um, or he could go undrafted. I don't think he's going to go undrafted. I expect him to be somewhere in like the late 30s, early 40s. Um, I, I, he's just a guy that I, I would definitely um, take a very long look at. I just feel like he's a guy who um, he just fits what you want in today's style of NBA player. Um, he's got you know uh, several weaknesses, but I do think – um, he's the kind of guy that I would roll the dice on, um, especially in that, like, you know, picks, you know, 40 through 50 uh, type range. And one more guy um, that I think really raised his stock at the combine, Terrence Mann. Um, this kid is just all motor, all effort, can't shoot to save his fucking life. Um, but uh, he gives you everything else. He's he's a big body on the wing. Um, he 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 looks like he's going to be excellent defensively. Um, kind of reminds me of like a uh, like a Tony Allen type, uh, just bigger. And uh, if you can ever get him to fucking hit a jump shot, dude. I mean, if if this kid like if this kid shot like even thirty six percent from three, he'd be a first round pick easy. Um, I I totally expect him to be. Basically, somewhere in you know the the 40s to six to 60 range, um, probably probably like I would say no lower than like 55. Um, but I totally think he'll get drafted. Um, he may be a two-way player um, for for you know a couple seasons, but I, I think he's going to be good. I do. Um, I, I I like um, I like the effort. Um, I like uh, all of the intangibles. It's just can he get his shot together? Um, but yeah, um, a lot of interesting things going on. Um, of course, we're going to continue to follow it. We'll be covering um, the draft up to and during and after and all of that. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, be sure to uh, to stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. And yeah, fuck, we're only like what three or four weeks away now. Um, you know, we're knocking on its door, dude. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but all right, final topic of the night, final thoughts on leading into the finals. Uh, 
Joel and I gave our, our, our thoughts last week just to sum up mine. Um, I think the Warriors will win in six, um, regardless of whether KD comes back or not. I do expect him to come back uh, if if it looks like, you know, that, you know, if they split on the road, um, I, I think he comes back. If Golden State goes and wins both on the road, he probably doesn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they win in six. Um I think if Toronto has any chance in hell, one, they need to cross their fingers that KD doesn't come back. Uh, two, um, they have to lock down defensively. Um, they have a very good defensive team, but they're they're going to need to really turn it up a notch. Um, I do kind of like Kawhi guarding Draymond because he, he can protect the pick and roll, um, you know, and he can sag off Draymond when he's not in pick and roll and play help defense. Um, it seems to be an interesting way to go about um, playing him. But, yeah, they, I mean, they got to be great defensively. And then my biggest thing is they have got to attack Golden State's weaker links. Um, we saw how deep into that roster that, uh, that uh, Kerr went with um, against Portland. And, dude, they, they fucking played – 12, 13 different guys in a fucking game uh, in, in, in some of those games, and it's just baffling. It's just like, damn, dude, you just fucking played everybody on your fucking – on your active roster. Um, you cannot let them do that. You've got to attack Quinn Cook when he's out there. You've got to attack uh, Swedish Larry. <laughs> Shout out to ben, or Bill Simmons on that one. Um, uh, Jonas Rebko. Uh, you, I mean, you gotta you gotta go after these guys. You cannot let those guys stay out on the court because your best bet in beating this team is forcing all of those guys who are actually good to play forty forty plus minutes a night. Um, and if if they can get by with playing thirty five, and you each you know, and you and they can you know put these these weaker players out there for for spells at a time. Um, like you're you're gonna get fucking you're gonna lose. You're not gonna win. Um, so those those are the two big things. Probably uh, the one other thing is just like kind of uh, slow the pace down. Take take the the obvious transition um, buckets, but like don't 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 make stupid passes to try and get a quick outlet in transition. Um, like you need to slow the pace of the game down. Don't let Golden State – don't try to get into a running contest with Golden State because you're going to lose. Um, that's a lot of things that I feel like Toronto has to do in order to pull this one out. I don't feel like they're going to be able to do all of them, um, hence why I have Golden State in six. Um, but I, I, not, you know, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that Toronto can pull this out. Um, it's just going to take a Herculean effort. Uh, if you will, but uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts uh, on this series before you know we uh, get to sit down and watch it? Um, I think it'll be interesting. I don't know if Kevin Durant's necessarily going to play, um, just because I know he traveled with the team, but I just think you know, just to see how it is and all that. But if I'm him and they're playing well, I don't think the way the Golden State looked the last time I saw him. It's going to be really hard to stop the, what they're doing. I mean, yeah, the, it was great numbers what um, Kawhi was able to do to Giannis and all that, but unless he's really just having other people step up with him and all that, 
you just looked at how the last two series, how overly dependent they are on Kawhi to do everything. I mean, it took them 40 shots to get to the 76ers. They didn't do have to do as much last time. I mean, you're not going to get the Fred Van Leeps shooting lights out in two games, only missing three three-pointers or something like that. That's not going to happen in the finals. Um, I just don't see the other people stepping up, the Lowry's, the Siakam's, the Gasol's and all that, stepping up to do what a team that's been there the last, you know, this is the fifth year in a row. They know how to play it's the same team. I have more confidence in Iguodala than I do really in the second player for Toronto right now just because it's a whole <laughs> yeah. different game. I mean, and I just, I feel like Golden State, I, like even right now they have the like, Cousins is active right now. I don't see Cousins having any help to them right now. Even if he's 100%, I just don't see that him. I think he's more of a minus right now getting into this team right now because he just doesn't fit it, what they're doing. And it's just run it the way you have. I mean, it's going to suck and all that. And, yeah, you might put a lot of strain on five to six guys and all that. I don't see them having to do what they did and going to, like, you know, 11 deep and all that. But – I just feel like um, right now it's going to come. I could see the first game, Golden State shocking Toronto, even though it will be a good game. I see Golden State shocking them and winning. But I have it in six as well. Um, I wanted to do it earlier than that, but I do feel like Kawhi has shown that he is probably one of the best players right now. And um, he could definitely sway a game. And I could see, I mean, if, like like you said, his best best option right now is playing green and all that and trying to do that. But I could see him just being a smart player and not like Houston and D'Antoni and watching Curry murder you. I could just see him being like, all right, all of you guys, there's going to be a mismatch somewhere else, but you're not doing it, and I'm covering Curry. I'm just going to straight up just take him oh, out yeah. and, and all that. Like He's not going to be able to stop Kevin Durant, but I just feel like Kevin Durant's calf injury is, is more than – than what it is, and I just feel like that's going to be his limitations rather than Kawhi doing what he did against Giannis to Kevin Durant. They're just two different players and all that, but I can right. definitely see uh, Kawhi just being like, hey, I'm not letting Curry beat me. Like, he beat me one game, and I kind of sat back and let you guys do it, but not not happening twice. So I can see him making it interesting. I mean, like you said, Toronto, there is that small chance where if you play the series – you know, over a certain amount of time, and they oddly do win, like, you know, a good, like, seven out of the 20. Like, they, there are those times where they can definitely win and all that, but I just, yeah. I, I don't think it's right now. It's just Nick Nurse kind of looked a little lost. Um, not saying he's a bad coach and not saying he's bad for them, but he kind of just looked lost in the moment. And um, Kerr just being just, just this whole team five years in a row, they know the whole parade. They hold the like they know everything, the whole theatrics behind it, and I think they're going to take care of business. And I unfortunately just think it's going to be without Kevin Durant. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I do think Kevin Durant makes them a way better team, and and all that. I just think the right now the way that the last time I saw them, they've been sitting for a while, so they could have like you know cold feet and all that, and hadn't been. But the last time I saw them, they just they look really just in their stride, just. After game six of Houston, they just turned into a whole new beast. Yeah, they, I mean, they really did. Um, by the way, who, who's going to sneak a foot under Kawhi on, on a jump shot? Is it Swedish Larry? 
Is that who they're going to ask to do it this time? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure they still got Zaza somehow in the books. They're like, yo, how did he's still here, <laughs> but we're bringing him back? Yes. So it's going to be Zaza. Somehow. Maybe you just so don't maybe you just pay for Zaza to have like a courtside seat so he could just sit there and stare at Kawhi to intimidate him. <laughs> Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I do think Kawhi knew, but that Spurs team, that one year where he did get tripped, Kawhi was definitely. I mean, I do feel like they, if he didn't get hurt, I had a feeling that they were going to win. But that Spurs team's different than this Toronto team. That Spurs team is still kind of the the last of the people that have been to the finals and have been there. So it was a a well like. I don't think they're more talented. Yeah. Though. No, not yeah, yeah, so, more experienced team. That's what I'm saying. They just kind of understood. Yeah. So it's a different team, and it's just they're just Toronto. It's just, it's the last two series that just showed me that they're a good team, but they're too heavily like riding on Kawhi and everything yeah. that Kawhi can do. Yeah, no, I mean, I, ultimately, I agree with you. They're going to need at least two other guys to step up, um, and you know, we'll see if that happens. Um, I think you maybe already answered this question by saying you wanted to take it in less than six, but you, you settled on six. What what would you what do you think is more what would shock you more for Golden State to sweep them or for Toronto just to win the series? Golden State to sweep them. Um, I just feel like Toronto's not Portland, not anything against Portland and all that. And, you know, that that's the last thing. That, but Toronto's actually, like, they do – what I hope that they can get is good bench minutes out of a lot of people and try to just run that way. So I do see two games. I was contemplating it in five just because I could see Golden State, one of those games where they're losing the whole time and they just snuck it out the end. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I, I would be more surprised with a sweep. Um, I think for, I, or Portland. I think Toronto is going to get two. I really do. I think they'll get one at home and then maybe, like, win game five um, type of situation. Um, or maybe win, you know, one of the games uh, in Golden State and then, you know, lose the, next, the, you know, the last two or something. Um, I feel hard-pressed to think it's going to go seven. Um, but hey, if it does, Toronto does have home court advantage, so um, I would fucking love for it to go seven. Um, that'd be awesome. And you know what? I, I would, as much as I'm um, anti-Toronto <laughs> because of you know what they did to the Sixers, I, I still like, I still would kind of like them to win it. I mean, it'd be great for the city of Toronto, um, especially given the utter collapse of the Maple Leafs. Um, and you know, it would just be, uh, it'd be nice to, uh, to, for the, for the Warriors to get humbled. Um, it would, it would be a treat. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, um, if there, if there's one guy that can do it, it's definitely Kawhi. All right. We're going to wrap this thing up, but before we do, I do want to ask you, um, cause there's been a lot of talk about this lately. Who's the best player in the league? We got Kawhi. We got KD. LeBron hadn't been in the in the playoffs this year, so it's almost like he didn't even count. We had Giannis in the mix until you know he he went out. Um, uh, I think you got to throw Steph Curry in it uh, based off what you know he did um, once KD went down. Um, like, it, who do you think right now, gun to your head, 
who do you think is the best player in the league right now? Kevin Durant. Um, don't get me wrong. A lot of those guys you say are really good, and it's really hard just to just do a quick one like that. But um, I just everything that Kevin Durant can do offensively, and I think that we really just don't like – he's really underrated in his defensive game. He's not, a, you know, he's not a bad defensive player, but – I just feel like I'm well, it doesn't all help those. that he was just fucking lazy as shit this whole regular season, and he, he didn't play with yeah. any like intensity. <laughs> and even in he that really Clippers series, up. he was pretty lazy defensively. When he wants to be good it's, defensively, he's really fucking good. But Kevin Durant's definitely at that 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 age. I mean, don't get me wrong, Steph can get a shot whenever he wants, but and all that. But if you have one of these guys that want to come up, like I said, a Kawhi could definitely shut him down and all that, but. I just had the most faith in Kevin Durant is just, he's going to get to a shot no matter what. And it's just, it's unstoppable. Um, I feel like next year we're really going to get the true value once he goes to his own organization, does things and like really just like, Oh damn, well this is Kevin Durant that we kind of forgot how dominated. So I'm just going to go. Don't get me wrong. Kawhi is definitely a better two way player and all that, but I just feel like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Kevin Kevin Durant right now is just, Kevin Durant right now just would just destroy Kawhi. If he was healthy and it was going a healthy, like, Warriors team from la- – like, if they were running into the Warriors team of last year, what happened LeBron and Kevin Durant just dismantled him. I just – Kawhi being the great player he is, he just – you're just not stopping KD. Um, and he just knows it. I just feel like he's he's in his prime, and he just knows that I'm just unstoppable right now. I agree with you. I think Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA. I think Kawhi is second or third. I still put LeBron in that top three, even though you know he got hurt this year and he obviously the team didn't make the the fine or the finals. Fuck the the playoffs. Um, but I, I mean, I I feel like there was oh there was a lot of shit going on in LA as we discussed for the first half hour of this pod. Um, that you know led to to them not making the playoffs um in their dysfunction in general but just in a vacuum I still think LeBron is on that level but I think those are your three guys right now um that are just the three most well-rounded crafted best players in the league um LeBron obviously lacks a lot defensively that that you know from where he used to be and even what Kevin Durant shows night to night and everything. Um, But I mean, you know, you put LeBron in, you know, uh, a seven game series and he's going to flip that switch. He's going to turn it on defensively. Um, Now, whether, whether his teammates who have slacked off on defense all year, as we saw, you know, with Cleveland last year are able to do that is a different story. Um, But yeah, I mean, he, he he's still up there for me, but I, yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Kevin Durant is just he I mean, he, he, like you said, he can just get he can get a shot anytime he wants to get it. He just he's so fucking tall. He's his wingspan's crazy. Where he releases his shot is just above everybody else's hands, anybody else's standing reach. Um and you know, he he just it, it makes it impossible to guard him. And, you know, that's, that's the thing, like with Kawhi, um, as good as Kawhi is, like you can affect him. Um, you, you can, um, 
you can make it difficult for him. Uh, you know, he hasn't really gotten shut down in these playoffs. He really struggled in that first game against uh, Milwaukee. And there were a couple games in that, uh, in that Philadelphia series um, where Simmons and Butler did a really good job of slowing him down. Um, but for the most part, he's gotten what he wants. Um, but, like, you, you can't affect him. His, he's strong as fuck, though. Like, when he, when he decides he's getting to the paint and he's got that finesse move where he can kind of bully you and, and bump you back but not draw the charge and then back up and take the floater, like, that move is so fucking solid. Um, but, like, yeah, dude, KD, uh, he just um, – uh, the only thing that could possibly stop KD is just KD, like KD just being off because um, nobody is going to guard him. The only person that I think could act – there's two people who I think maybe could guard him, um, and one would be Kawhi, the other would be Giannis just because of Giannis's length. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just – He's so fucking good. But I'll tell you this, if uh, if the Raptors end up winning this series, I definitely think Kawhi at least gets the moniker. Because um, if you beat the Warriors, I don't give a fuck if they got KD or not. If you beat the Warriors uh, with the guys you got on that Toronto team, you, you get the mantle. You're, you're, you're at least for next season, going into next season, he's the best player in the league. Um but yeah, I'm with you though. As of right now, I would go Katie, and I think I think the narrative would still be the majority would still pick Katie if he hadn't gotten hurt, um, because Katie's blueprint would still be all over um, the series that they've played instead of it going transitioning back to their um, you know share share the ball um, you know strength in numbers kind of format, but. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think I think next year we should probably do like a I don't want to do like an expansive list, but like a top twenty or something. Uh preseason top twenty best players in the league. Um that'd be fun. Uh but uh anyway, Luke, uh always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Peace out. Peace, brother. And thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh it's a fun podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Uh we got some more great content coming your way later this week. Um, obviously, we got some finals games that we'll be breaking down next Tuesday and Thursday. Um, we will eventually get to our um, uh, uh, awards uh, for for the season. Um, we were planning on doing that tonight, but unfortunately, uh, Joel and Jawan had conflicts, so we had to postpone. Um, but we will get to that eventually. Um, and uh, be sure to check out uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance this Saturday, a uh, special Saturday edition of WGA uh, with Dane and Chris. Uh, and Geek Vibes Live will be coming at you Sunday. Uh, we have some other great shows, uh, you know, this week. Um, Geeks Against the Grain on Friday and uh, TS Top 10 uh, Saturday morning. So be sure to check those out as well. Um, but uh, we'll catch you next week. Until then, peace.